Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, energized life that totally rocks. You're listening to Straight Talking Natural Health, a no BS podcast for busy women who want to ditch the fatigue, find balance and feel great with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. I actually met today's guest when I was invited to be a guest on her own podcast, which is called Unconscious. We got along so well that I decided we should do a swapsies and get her on my show too. She's a bit of a trailblazer in the perfume industry because she's doing it very differently to the big names. She has the most beautiful brand called One Seed, which makes organic perfumes with nothing nasty added. And there was a real need in the marketplace for this to happen. You see, most of them are super, super toxic, like full of chemicals that will disrupt your hormones toxic. And there are some high profile natural, in inverted commas, companies out there who are claiming to be low tox, but are anything but. So why do we need to be conscious about perfumes? Why is this the next thing that we need to be talking about? Let's chat to this amazing woman and find out. Please welcome to the show, the lovely Liz Cook. Hello, Jules. <laughs> I even hear tears there. Have you got have you got tears on tap? <laughs> Hang on, round of applause. You ready? <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, let's start with your story. So tell me a bit about your your own story and how and why you came to be so interested in avoiding toxins going on the skin. What happened to you? Yeah, it's probably um, a, a, a fairly long story with lots of different um, angles and, and journeys, I suppose, that culminated in in the launch of One Seed in 2009. Um, I guess like most people, I had a bit of a health journey, but also um, I, I just tend to be a questioner and a researcher by nature. So bit of a bit of a sticky beak, and I have to know all the ins and outs and whys and hows of everything. So, um, you know, that sort of took me all the way down the path. But when I was a kid, I had recurring tonsillitis. I think the earliest I can recall is maybe six or seven years old. Um, and apparently, I used to get tonsillitis about every six to eight weeks um, as a kid, right up until about thirteen, fourteen years of age, and it sort of started to to die down a bit then. But as a kid, I always felt sick as well. And my mom, my mom says that she used to get so tired of me saying, mom, I feel sick. And it's literally the exact same comment every time, mom, I feel sick. I just had this um, kind of low to moderate grade nausea constantly, as well as the tonsillitis. So although I was a, like a, a reasonably healthy kid in other ways um, and thriving, I'd never felt well. And that probably sort of planted a seed of um, questioning in terms of health and, and diet and all that sort of stuff as I got older. Um, when I was a teenager, my brother, two of my brothers um, became bodybuilders and one of them became quite a serious bodybuilder. And he used to buy um, all of these um, bodybuilding magazines which in hindsight for a 14, 15, 16-year-old girl, not exactly the best <laughs> influence because it's like, you know, recipes for egg white omelets and how to minimize your fat to zero grams a day and all this sort of stuff. But it was, it was an interesting education for me and it just got me to thinking about um, how to take action on my own health and my own body and so on. 
um, that kind of led me down a bit of an unhealthy um, path with um, disordered eating for a couple of years. Um, but, you know, I'm sort of happy that I ended up down that path because I did start questioning and uh, taking my body and my health more seriously. Um, by the time I was probably about 17 or 18, I started to um, look at ingredient labels for the express purpose of, I think I can save money on skincare, I'll make my own. <laughs> um, and so I just started to look for recipe books and things which were kind of hard to find back then and just dabble in um, buying my own ingredients and mixing things together and of course, one thing led to another and I started to see how many unnecessary and also toxic ingredients were found in skincare. Um, fast forward, I uh, opened my first business, um, which was called Out of Eden, and we had three stores in South Australia. I did that in my mid-20s, I think 25. Um, we were selling ingredients for people to make their own as well as um, all the natural uh, skincare brands that we can could find, um, which there weren't very many. Mukti was around back then. That was 2001 we first launched, but I don't believe that any of the other ones that we had were uh, are, are still around. So that's a bit sad. Um, and then when I sold that business in 2007, I had noticed that people were coming in to um, to ask about perfume. We were also custom blending for people on the spot, so we were. Um, making we had our essential oils about a hundred different essential oils and several different base ingredients and we'd mix for people on the spot according to their skincare needs etc um, i was also doing a bit of product formulation and development for some smaller companies as well and yeah and i started to see that there was a big glaring gap in the market for perfume and that nobody was questioning perfume ingredients so, of course, <laughs> I have this very interesting um, mindset that says it's always got to be me. And that's, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and it happens even if I buy a lottery ticket, I'm convinced I'm going to win to the point where I even hang on to that for about three months after just in case they didn't, they lost my phone number. <laughs> so I always think it's going to be me. So when it comes to action, I always feel like it has to be me. Like if I have the idea, I better just run with it. So when I sold the business in 2007, um, I kept the initial perfume formulations that I'd been working on, which ended up getting scrapped because they were more aromatherapy based, um, spent another 18 months doing serious research and development. And then in 2009, launched One Seed as the first natural perfume company in Australia and one of probably only three or four worldwide at that time. Yeah. And it was interesting you said that the first lot that you made were more aromatherapy based. So yeah. because I know when people think of natural natural perfumes, they mistakenly think about people like dabbing or rolling essential oils on their skin. Yeah. So what's Correct. the difference? Yeah, so there's definitely a space for um I would more call them essential oil, um, often they're roll-on perfume. So, you know, essential oil pulse point type of um perfumes. They they're still beautiful in their own way, but they're not perfumes. So a perfume really, the difference between just a straight essential oil blend, whether it's blended in an oil base or in a natural alcohol base, the difference really is in the construction and in the understanding of ingredients and in also the, I suppose, the brief that the, perf the perfumer has and in their particular skills in terms of blending. So it's pretty easy to mix a few essential oils together. You might have a few at home and we get this feedback often from people saying, oh, I don't need perfume, I use essential oils. 
And that's fine. But if you want a full perfume experience, you don't get that from just mixing patchouli, frankincense and and rose um, and wearing that on your skin. Um, A couple of the biggest differences is that are that, should I say, use correct grammar. A couple of the big differences are that um, our perfumes last quite a long time on the skin compared with essential oils. So, and also you, you probably would tell everybody this too, Jules, as a naturopath, but do not use essential oils neat on your skin. So for everyone who's doing that, no, 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 no. You have to mix them in some sort of a medium because they are very active ingredients. So don't do that. Um, But for people who are using essential oils and that they're mixing together themselves, they'll probably find that within an hour, the smell is pretty much gone. And if it is there, what lingers tends to be a bit of um, literally like a papery sort of a smell and not a perfumey smell. Um, It's not entirely unpleasant but it doesn't give you the full perfume experience yeah that's so with true. what we create you have yeah. to re- reapply reapply it like you're carrying those little roller ones around in your yeah. handbag yeah that's right and you might find you have to reapply every hour so they're probably good as mood boosters like if you just need something to ground you or to just make you feel um, fresh or clean um, to, and you can reapply them during the day they work really well but if you want the full perfume experience where you can feel like you're cared for and you want to um, project something and you want to feel, I don't know, feel prettier or whatever whatever sort of mood you're trying to create for yourself, um, then natural perfumes help you to achieve that. So um, a good natural perfume should be very little compromise on your Chanel number no. five or whatever else it is that you're wearing. It's not going to be the same experience because synthetic and natural, we'll talk more about that, but it's not the same stuff, but the experience should be much the same. So it should always be elevating. It should linger. Um, it should feel like it's an expression of your personality that lasts over at least a few hours. And so the blends themselves are much more complex. Um, when we create blends and everything for us is done in-house, so we don't outsource anything. When we're creating a, a blend or um, developing a brief for a new fragrance, it's always got to be about longevity, about how the fragrance dries down, which is sort of the way it evolves on the skin, um, about mood. So the, the principles of a therapy come into it, but they tend to be secondary to um, the overall goal, which is something beautiful that people can connect with that will linger over hours and make them feel great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's definitely like comparing apples and oranges then. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about some of the differences between synthetic and natural because, you know, there's not that many natural perfume companies on the market mm-hmm. uh, they're quite rare you you're yep. a bit of a you're a bit of a uh, innovator in in that regard Thank so you. so why do we want to do this what are what are the toxins that are being used in the perfume industry that are so terrible yep. like why are they terrible like why do we want to avoid the synthetic ones Yeah. And look, a lot of people are still not at the point where they're even aware that synthetic perfume is actually synthetic. Um, So just before I sort of go into the ingredients and what we need to be aware of, um, it's really important that if you're a perfume perfume wearer or perfume lover or just a fragrance lover generally, even if it's like, you know, reed diffusers and all of that, you have to understand that fragrance is almost 
every single time completely made up of synthetic ingredients unless the company expressly says that they only use natural ingredients. So whether you're paying $20 for something that you buy from, you know, from the chemist, a cheap knockoff, or it's $450 for one of the, you know, maybe from David Jones, or it could be one of these beautiful um, uh, niche perfume companies, it doesn't matter. They're all pretty much completely synthetic. Um, and so when you see words like um, lily petals and teardrops of a yak or what it, I always, I don't know why I always <laughs> say that one. Do you want to think of something it's that very creates exotic. <laughs> It's very exotic. So you have to know that in that fragrance, it does not contain teardrops of yak and lily petals. What you Damn have. Damn it. I'm going to throw know. out my yak perfume now. <laughs> How's that one working for you, Jules? <laughs> in it that was, one? Oh, I was bringing all the boy yaks to the yard. <laughs> <laughs> but people still um, believe that what the perfume description is, is what's contained in the bottle. All that is, is actually marketing paraphernalia, for lack of a better term. It's storytelling. So the storytelling of perfumes is really beautiful, but it's not realistic and it's not transparent. So it's beautiful because we want to engage with the story, but it's really important to look behind the story. So what you see um, listed as notes does not equal ingredients. That's a really key thing to know. And so what you have in your bottle of all of these brands, and some may use, you know, two, three, five percent naturals in, in out of the hundred percent of fragrance load in that product, um, but it still is a synthetic product overall. So all of those ingredients are formulated in a lab by somebody in a white coat, not by somebody out in a field picking uh, rose petals and collecting yak tears. <laughs> so that's really important to know. The biggest issue that um, synthetic fragrance has, as far as our research goes so far, is uh, the one that I feel the most concerned about and there is the most, um, let's say, pressing need for action is about hormone disruption. And it's incredible how many ingredients in a fragrance actually cause endocrine disruption. And that could be by um, blocking estrogen receptors, for example, or displacing testosterone. There's lots of different mechanisms of action, but um, essentially what you have is your fragrance ingredients, which, as I said, could, could be up to 5% natural if it's a um, brand that specifically does incorporate naturals, or it might be 100% synthetic. So in that fragrance component, there could be anything up to 7,000 different ingredients, never in one blend, but it could be up to a couple of hundred in one blend. But we as perfumers have sort of three to 7,000 ingredients that we can um, make use of. Many of those are endocrine disruptors. Many of them are allergens. Um, many of them, um, oh, what else can I say about those? Oh, having a mental blank. Oh, many of them um, can cause uh, other problems like um, neurotransmitter dysregulation as well, so affecting moods, etc. cetera. Um, and also a big um, area of interest of mine is about mental health. So when we're seeing neurotransmitter disruption, we're also seeing heightened effects uh, in people who have or are prone to anxiety and depression. So if synthetic fragrance can interrupt everything from mood uh, and, you know, basic stuff like it can uh, have, give you mood dysregulation, headaches, nausea, 
um, it can uh, affect your periods. It can affect your reproductive system in many different ways. There's absolutely really strong links to phthalates, which are in many synthetic perfumes, and um, the the poor development of male um, male reproductive systems in utero. So we're seeing baby boys, more baby boys born, and I believe it might even be up to 50% or so increase in the last 30 years with genital malformation, undescended testes, and then um, men growing up to have low sperm count or poor sperm motility, etc. So these are serious issues, not just a little bit of a, mm, I feel sick, you're so sensitive to perfume. It's something entirely different than that. So the fragrance component is a really big problem, as is something which is contained in almost all perfumes, uh, diethyl phthalate or DEP. It's not always listed, but it's a denaturing ingredient. So perfumers um, tend to use this one because it debitters the alcohol. So it obviously makes it undrinkable, which is important, but it also has the added let's call it benefit, even though it's not, it's a plasticizer. So what it does is it basically um, puts like a, a invisible and not feelable film into your perfume so that your fragrance can last and last and last so that you are smelling yesterday's fun party the day after. Um, and diethyl phthalate is a phthalate, so hormone disruptor. Again, we talked about um, allergies, asthma, links to ADHD and diabetes. It's highly persistent, so it's a POP or a persistent organic pollutant, does not break down in the environment almost at all and is really seriously contaminating our waterways, um, as is synthetic musk. And synthetic musk is contained in almost all fragrances because we as humans love it, kind of has like a, a humanistic kind of a smell. So we love the smell of musk. And even people who say they don't love musk, you find that Almost all perfumes will have even a small dose of musk because it makes us kind of connect to ourselves and to us as humans. Synthetic musk is causing massive issues in waterways. Um, they're finding synthetic musk molecules in snowfall. That is astounding to me. And um, they're also finding it, along with phthalates and um, BPA, etc., in umbilical cord blood. You know, babies are being born with around 200 chemicals in their bodies already before they've even taken a breath of our not so fresh air <laughs> so people think perfume is beautiful and it is but there's so many hidden um concerns in a beautiful bottle of fragrance and i think it's really time um both for consumers but also for us as practitioners to kind of take stock of that so that we can uh, advise people um, what to avoid when they're trying to improve their chances at falling pregnant or have a decent menopause or wh whatever it is, or if you just want to feel good and you're not sure why you never quite feel right, you have to be looking at synthetic fragrance for sure. Uh, and it, it really, it, it really gets me that the, we're talking about chemicals that disrupt hormones and when are our hormones at their you know at their most vulnerable like it's often in teenage girls yeah and and what do teenage girls do more than you know at that age more than any other age they're covering themselves with fragrances because they're experimenting with all kinds of new things and makeup exactly. and hair products and whatnot and they're they're trying on all these fragrances and oh lordy when look 
Yeah, I'm a child of the eighties and <laughs> I remember I won't I won't name the brand, but I think we all know what brand it is. It used to be yeah. advertised in Dolly magazine and yeah. it came in all these different little cans and you'd walk through the change room at, you know, after PE class, after gym class at school. And it would just be a cloud of this particular brand of, yeah. of stuff. And oh my and now God. boys are doing it, right? So it used oh, to be all Oh, now there's girls. a boy one as well. There's a boy one. <laughs> it's That's killing right. me. And so the, the girls and the boys are covering themselves in clouds of this stuff and get, they're not natural. Nothing about it is natural or healthy. But it's so hard to stop them too, Jules. I've got a 17-year-old and he's the same. And the amount of times I have to say, I said you can't spray that stuff in here. And, you know, I do also say, by the way, I'm a natural perfumer. How does it look like when my son sprays that stuff? But they're, they're kids and they experiment. But, it, you know, that makes me um, more concerned that the companies who make this stuff do not give a toss what's in it. As long as it smells good and it's cheap to make and they make a profit and, and people are buying it. That's all they're con- concerned about. So if we think that, oh, well, it's on the market, it mustn't be too bad, that's not true. The companies don't have a vested inter- interest to protect us. They're not even required by law to protect us. So it's up to us to, you know, as much as we can with our teenagers, for example, educate them, give them some alternatives, but also, you know, they're going to be teenagers, but where it matters most or where you can help them minimize their exposure to this stuff. And as soon as you can find an alternative that they will wear and love, then switch it out because it's really concerning. Yeah, they're going to try stuff because like yeah. that's, their, that's, that's their actual job exactly. as a that teenager. Yeah. It's like naturopath and nutritionist kids going sneaking up and eating <laughs> McDonald's and KFC. Yeah. Yeah. Like they all do it. It's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. But hopefully like once they're through, so, you know, those years and they, they maybe get into their early 20s and start to become a bit more conscious or a bit more aware, then, then that's, you know, hopefully they'll come around full circle again. But I mean also like I remember when I was a teenager and I'd go into that locker room and like I had a friend who used to get a headache from walking through that cloud of perfume. Yeah. And I now know what that headache means. Like I now know that she probably had some some level of chemical sensitivity and, you know, from a naturopathic perspective, that means you've probably got some gut issues and you need some liver support and there might be mm-hmm. some allergen allergen type things going on in your body. But at that time, all she knew was that really basic, I walk through the locker room and I get a headache and I feel yeah. unwell. And yeah. so... Like I do think, I actually do think this next uh, generation of teenagers are becoming more conscious of this stuff really slowly because they no. they have access to so much more information. Yeah, so, and more products. We shouldn't too, write like them off. Brands. No, no, <laughs> they're not all just a bunch of McDonald's eating rebels. No, but, <laughs> hey, but you and I did it too, and look where we yeah. end up. You know, naturopath and nutritionist, and and so on. So it's not you can't write them off and say <laughs> hey, that's I turned out fine. Me too. I'm great. Do you know what? Do you know what's interesting though? The amount of times that you would hear this as well, even just from a health point of view. Um, and people would say it about smoking, drinking, whatever. They'll say, "Oh, but I use such and such, and I turned out fine." But it's a sample size of one. So just because you're fine and you still douse yourself in that 
you know, that brand or whatever it is, doesn't mean that that's actually a good product. Thank the Lord that you have um, a very, very strong immune system at the moment or whatever it is. Um, but you can't say, I used it, I was fine, therefore it's fine for everybody to use it. That's not how it goes. And are you fine? Are you? Are you? Because are like, you? I'm, yeah. I'm joking here going, I'm fine. But, you know, I've I've had chronic and ongoing health issues that I've yeah. had to work through. And that's, it's, that's why a lot of us become naturopaths because we've yeah. all had our own road to walk. But like, I have endometriosis and I've mm-hmm. had period pain since I was 13, right? Yep. And what age a girl? spraying all that shit around oh i don't know about 12 13 like pretty much and probably earlier these days because for us it was when you hit high school but i'm pretty sure they're doing it much younger now Yeah, 10 11 probably now oh god probably probably even less um and we're seeing precocious puberty now too um so jules when you when we grew up and it's one generation ago girls were getting their periods at 13 or 14 or maybe 12 if you were young now they're getting their periods at 9 or 10 how does that happen in one generation so all of that stuff like there's no way that we can actually do lab created experiments on this stuff because it's not ethical and who would want to be part of that but you have to look at the evidence at hand and say some big stuff is happening to affect people's hormones in a very short period of time and absolutely fragrance and i'm not just saying oh it's perfume it's perfume perfume is a really big part of that but fragrance is everywhere now so you know you go to the shopping center and you you go to the shopping center bathroom and it's a with that you know automatic air freshener thing all the Mm. time everywhere you go there's synthetic fragrance so it's not just the fact that you wear your perfume it's your perfume plus the other 20 things that you're wearing in a day there's an accumulative effect that is really really affecting people's health it's so true it's in your shampoo it's in your cleaning products it's in your laundry detergent it's everywhere garbage bags for goodness sake Oh, I know. My right, husband bought these. Bags. My husband went to the supermarket and brought home these garbage bags that were f- like, I was, I, I was like, no, never again. No, <laughs> no, no. Do you know what I saw which blew my mind? A scented hairbrush for kids. What? A scented hairbrush. It's like, it's just like somebody went to a factory and went, oh my gosh, we need to scent something else. And they just scented every possible thing in the factory. Why do you need a scented hairbrush? Right. When I was a kid, I had a scented hula hoop. <laughs> yes, so did I. Oh, I had a scented like strawberry hula. milkshake. What about yours? Yeah, mine was chockberry. <laughs> <laughs> and you scratch and sniff it because you really love the smell. Yeah. Which oh, it's like yeah that's exactly right it's like we grew up in the same vicinity or something oh, i'm pretty sure we, <laughs> we yeah it was very similar wow oh dear all right so look let's let's talk about something that's a really massive bugbear of mine and that is the health washing that goes yeah. on in the beauty industry uh because there's a, a few brands out there that I think people would be really shocked to hear that, that aren't natural, in fact, not even close, but yeah. uh, they're pretending to be natural. So they're not, like your, they're not like your Calvin Klein fragrances or the stuff you find at Chemist Warehouse. They're yeah. actually making their point of difference mm-hmm. by telling people that they're more natural than that. Yes. But they're not. What the hell is going on? 
I know. And it, you know, it worries me because you and I were on this same um, naturopathic forum and somebody posted, one of the practitioners posted about natural, you know, where can I find natural perfumes? And we, there was a whole slew of responses. And then you and I went, Hey, we know each other, which is, <laughs> which <Yeah>. is great. <laughs> but the interesting thing was even practitioners aren't aware of what the greenwashing or what did you just call it? Health washing. Yeah, I made, I made that up. <laughs> I like it. You should you should do a hashtag and claim it and you know Woo-hoo. trademark. It. <laughs> um, but even even we as practitioners who are constantly researching are not very good at identifying health washing or green washing. We we don't really know how to point it out because people were still saying, "Well, oh, this brand and that brand, and they're all natural." Um, thankfully, they were saying brands that are cleaner, so none of them were saying Calvin Klein or whatever. But um, they were still under the same impression that the general population that the brands who who have all of these um you know special words that they use to differentiate themselves were natural and they're not so mm. the, the, the naturopaths thing, were recommending them to I each know. other and i was like uh oh I know. Oh, oh, exactly. Oh, oh, which means I still have lots of work to do, but that's okay. There's a few key words that um, are throwing people these days. And um, if I can just mention a few of them that I think are kind of tricking us as consumers and yes. as practitioners, um, words like vegan. So people think automatically if it's vegan, it's healthy. No. They automatically think if it's vegan, it's natural. No. So vegan, all vegan means when you're buying, whether it's a perfume, or skincare or whatever else, all vegan means is we did not slay an animal and we didn't take anything from an animal. That's all it means. So you could actually go to a lab and completely synthesize a scent and uh, or, or a skincare product or makeup. I've seen it everywhere. And then put a big green leaf on it and say it's a vegan product and everybody goes, oh, yay, it's natural. Mm. And I see on social media people are hashtagging all the time like, you know, bought this vegan product and I love it and blah, blah, blah. And I think you don't actually know what you're aligning yourself with. It's not just the ethics. Um, you've got to look a bit deeper into the product. So vegan does not need, mean natural. It could, but if that's the only claim, you need to look further into the brand. Um, words like clean, clean is like my bugbear at the moment because everybody's looking for clean and, um, you know, Sephora and Mecca are getting onto clean. Now, clean is better because you don't want dirty, but um, all clean means because clean is not a an actually defined term and it's not it's certainly not um legally um what's the word like there's no regulated they're not not regulated at all not regulated all clean means is there's a bunch of stuff we don't use so if you look if you lined up five so-called clean brands and looked at what made them clean they would all have totally different rules for what would be clean for them so i wrote a blog post um a year or so ago and basically saying like i could say my brand was clean by saying we don't use elephant feathers and we don't use (laughs) car tires and we i can have a clean list and just say it's clean because it doesn't include these 20 things but it doesn't mean that actually what is in the bottle is safe natural and not synthetic so, and in fact, there's a word that's a term that's going around now, which is safe synthetics. And I'm using air quotes there because oh, what no. does that even mean? I know safe synthetics. So to me, the thing about safe synthetics is if you look a little deeper under that, um, the commentary, um, only 25% of ingredients that go into cosmetics and fragrances are ever tested. 
25%. So if you're saying safe, are you saying it's been tested and it's safe? Are you saying it's been tested long term and it's definitely come out safe? Are you saying it's safe because it's not been tested? So, you know, innocent until proven guilty. So there's so much more underneath the term safe synthetics. And I just don't like it because, you know, if, if you're actually going to do a definitive test on an ingredient, first of all, it's got to be long term. And secondly, it's got to be, it costs about a million bucks to literally do one definitive test on one ingredient. So if you've got 7,000 ingredients and hundreds more coming out each year, who's going to fund that? It's not happening. So the onus is on us, again, as consumers to either um, support brands that we know are doing the right thing and are keeping up with all the information or do all the research ourselves and you know, know what we're putting on our skin and our, in our bodies. Um, other words that are really throwing people, uh, sustainable, renewable, again, that doesn't mean natural. You can absolutely go to a lab and make something over and over and over and over again and call it sustainable because you're not taking from the earth. But unfortunately, that thing can be polluting, can be polluting your health, can be polluting the waterways, can be polluting the air, but it's still slap, we slap a label on it and call it sustainable because it's not cutting down trees, for example. Um, words like hypoallergenic or pure or handmade or handcrafted or even inspired by like there's a brand of um oh yeah, right? I know it's and everybody's like having conniptions now and I think I've just felt a few people spit their coffee out and go I may as well just die I can't use anything quick back in the bubble <laughs> That's right. But, you know, this is why we're here because I think that the thing about One Seed is we are a perfume brand, but more than that, we're an educator. So I just think it's so important for us as consumers to be educated about what we buy um, and to not have the wool pulled over our eyes by clever marketing, clever branding, um, beautiful aesthetics. And that stuff is all around us now. So the other thing that I think is throwing people, and we noticed this um, on this practitioner forum, is that um, sometimes it's what's not said, but people make assumptions on. So if you, there's a particular brand of perfume, which is beautiful and it's everywhere and everybody thinks it's natural. But if you look on all of the, on their website, on their social media, there is not one statement that says we are dedicated to natural or anything like that. They've never said that they're 100% natural, but somehow um, everybody has assumed that they are and, and so everybody's talking about it like that's the be-all and end-all natural uh, perfume and it's not. And if you look more closely, they do on a couple of their fragrances make note and say this product contains a small amount of synthetics. Yeah, a small so, amount. How much small, is a small amount? No one's regulating that term, a small no. amount. Well, it's only a small amount of perfume. Yeah. And and not only that, sometimes the smaller amounts do worse than our health. Sometimes micro dosing is more powerful than macro dosing, as you'd know. So um so you can't just say, Oh, but it's only a small amount. Oh, but we only do it once. Oh, but I only spray that perfume once a day or once a week. It's the accumulated effect and it's I always think it's it's um it's the poisons that you choose that are the biggest problem. So there's things that you can go out in the world and not have a choice on. You can, if you're going shopping in the shopping center, you can't help that they spray junk there. You know, you can't help a lot of the things that we're exposed to. But when you do have a choice, those are the things that make the biggest difference. And they certainly make a really big difference when it comes to your personal health and the health of your family because you're using them in your home and everybody in your home is exposed to them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and I just, I, I just realized as well that even though you're only maybe spraying it on once or twice a day, you're spraying it on these really sensitive parts of your body where the skin yeah. is the thinnest, like yeah. your wrists and around your neck. Like that's that, that area there's like really like it's a, it's a tender little area with like not much barrier going on. Like I, I just wonder where it all goes once it hits the skin. Yeah, well, <laughs> that could be a whole nother podcast episode. But, you know, they've done some uh, some studies. I read this one years ago, but just looking at, for example, neat lavender oil. And they found that when, I'm, I don't know who they is, by the way, but I'm sure you can Google and find this particular study. And there would be many more since this one. But um, just putting on neat lavender oil, for example, they found that if you apply neat lavender oil to your wrist, so to a pulse point, within 10 minutes, you're detecting that in your urine. So within right. 10 minutes, it's circulated through your entire bloodstream and gone and filtered through your kidneys and already present in your urine. So that tells you how quickly ingredients can get into your, into your bloodstream and into your organs. And if they're yeah. toxic ingredients, where are they sitting? They may not even be all coming out in your urine. They may be sitting in your fatty tissue because that's where we store our chemicals. So, yeah, it's, it's a very big conversation. Yeah, that's huge. And we know this as naturopaths, we know this. Like yeah. when, when you're learning herbal medicine back in college, you hear stories like uh, where parents put like garlic or onion poultices on their kids' feet at night, mm -hmm. which is, you know, an old remedy for, um, for coughs and colds. And then the kids actually smelling like onion or garlic. Mm -hmm. That's but not, right. not, the smell's not coming from their feet. It's coming no. from everywhere else. From their breath. From so their we skin. know this. Yep. We yep. know this. Yeah. You don't, need, we, you, don't, you don't need like a special carrier to get it in through the skin. It goes no. in anyway, right? Yeah. And the thing about perfume is you're getting it through your skin, but also through your olfactory system. So it's kind of a double whammy. So you're spraying it, you're smelling it, and smelling isn't just some like metaphysical feeling. Smelling is a chemical, biochemical, physiological process by where, uh, whereby molecules are entering your bloodstream through your nose. So you're getting it that way, and it goes directly to your brain, into your limbic system, and you're also getting it through your skin. So yeah, it's it's if you're using stuff that has toxic ingredients, your body has no way of escaping that that goes into your body in several ways. Yeah. All right. So look, we know why companies should be striving to be more natural, but why is no one doing it? Like what are the challenges that you face with making a product like this 100% natural? Because there has to be a reason why it's not more common. Totally, totally. And it's not just that everybody's unscrupulous. Like I think given the chance, most company, well, let's not say most, a good number of companies given the chance, if all things were equal, would definitely be choosing more natural ingredients. I'm not saying they'd choose naturals, but they would choose more natural ingredients if they were dirt cheap. The fact is that natural ingredients are always more expensive and that's whether you are speaking to somebody who makes skincare or fragrance um, or if you were making a natural supplement, for example, much more, um, much more expensive than something created in the lab. So, for example, with natural perfume ingredients, for some of them they're not 
too much of a difference. Like if we're talking about citrus oils, it's, you know, it's not very much different for me to buy a synthetic version of orange or for me to buy an even an organic orange extract that we would use. That's not very much different, but that's not the bulk of what makes up a beautiful perfume. The, the biggest differences come when you're using things like, uh, let's say, Australian sandalwood or different rose extracts or even um, a beautiful um, natural musk. It's the only, it, this is called ambretel, uh, sorry, ambrette seed. And ambrette seed is the only na- genuine natural musk that comes from a plant that you can get any, anywhere in the world. And it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, it smells kind of waxy like skin like babies like a newborn baby's head there's something very carnal and animalistic and sweet and sweaty and beautiful it's it's just divine if when next time you're coming to Adelaide when we're not in lockdown (laughs) come and see me and I'll show it to you and it's absolutely stunning but it's super expensive so um, to buy a kilo of ambrette seed costs $25,000 a kilo currently and if you buy a synthetic version and there's a few synthetic versions and often perfumers um, who are making synthetics will combine different synthetic versions to make that smell um, a synthetic version will cost you $250 thereabouts so $250 compared with $25,000 that's crazy it's crazy so unless so if your main agenda with your fragrance company is to make profit and a lot of them are making so much profit because in synthetic perfume there is a huge profit margin if your main goal is to make profit then you would absolutely absolutely not even consider a natural ingredient like ambrette seed you would just go straight to the synthetic version it's not as beautiful and it's not as complex so there's a lot more work to kind of flesh it out to make it smell full and so on but I mean, this price difference is just astronomical so and just to create a bottle of synthetic perfume, do you know, Jules, I think I might have mentioned this to you before, so you may be sneaking your answer, but do you know the cost of producing a 50 ml bottle of fragrance just for the juice in the bottle and whether it's $20 chemist knockoff or $450 beautiful um, perfume that everybody loves, what's the cost of the juice for 50 mils? I know. I'm, I'm going to let you say it, but I know I was shocked when I found this out. I know. Because I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> two, to, two to four bucks, $2 to $4. So people go, well, hang on, how's that possible? Why am I paying so much? Okay, ask any uh, anybody who, who's really honest with you who runs a perfume company would tell you that fragrance has huge markups when it comes to synthetics. Mm. So there's a lot of profit in that. Um, but the other thing is this marketing. So there was a campaign campaign a few years ago where Nicole Kidman was paid, I think, a million dollars to do a 30-second ad for a big, well-known perfume company. We pay for that when we pay multiple dozens or hundreds of dollars for that fragrance. Um, and it's also perception. So I could, I could literally give you the same t- bottle of perfume in two different bottles and put one in a cheap junk packaging and make the other one look a million bucks and you would pay a million bucks for the other one because yep. perfume is all about perception and projection. 
Not only that, but you feel better when you're wearing it because you, you paid more for it and there's that perception That's right. of quality. And, yeah, it's it's psychology 101, really. A hundred percent. Perfume is all psychology, absolutely. It's storytelling. It's, it's, it's about how it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. But to create a natural perfume in the same size can be anywhere from 20, 15 to $25 for the same size. So we're talking, you know, roughly 10 times the price to make naturals. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Which which means I applaud you even more uh, for doing what you're doing because it really can't be easy. And and like you said, a lot of what you're doing has to be around education, so people yeah. understand why things cost what they cost and that's right. why companies do what they do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. So tell us what's next for your business because I know you're not the type of person to just be sitting on your laurels and standing still. <laughs> so what, what's next for One Seed? Oh, I don't think I have laurels. What are they? No, um, no. <laughs> yeah, always got plans. Um, so at the moment we just recently launched um, a, a little sub-collection for our brand called Laundrette. And so that one, we've got some big plans for Laundrette for the next 12 months. Laundrette is a our um, laundry and linen collection or home fragrance collection and that's going great guns so we've got plans to launch some beautiful um, new products for that Um, we have a new special which I won't give away but fragrance collection coming out towards the the middle of next year which is um, is uh, yeah really interesting and it gives people um, let's just say without giving too much away a lot more scope and a lot more playfulness with their fragrance um, we've just launched into, we're just launching at the moment into the United Arab Emirates in 12 stores there. So that's pretty massive. Um, and in talks at the moment with, um, some people in New York. So we've got lots of stuff going on, but of course, a lot of stuff is COVID dependent at the moment as well. Um, and to be honest, we, you know, I want to do more speaking around the place. I want to, I want to, um, I'm starting a book next year as well. So there's lots more educational type of stuff going on and I I feel like it's my mantle especially you know having been first cab off the rank it's really my mantle as the the founder um, of this company to keep the education going and just to um, help people to be more conscious with what they buy and to be more um, to to empower people to make better choices for their health yeah and I love that I really love that you have that that education first and sort of uh, collaborative approach in that I, I get the impression that it's not just about buy my stuff. It's about this is why you want to buy the natural alternative. Yeah. And yeah. So I think, you know, we're, we're cheering on anyone else who's also doing something similar to this Absolutely. industry because the, the more people are doing it, the more it will become normal and mainstream and, it, and, and understood like people will actually understand why it's happening as well. So yeah, I really love that, that you're out there educating people on the front line. And um, yeah, I I wish one day that you don't have to do it. (laughs) Yeah, that would be the ideal world. Yeah, it's fun, but I'm the same. I hope that, um, I hope that we can get more companies and bigger companies on board as well with, um, with actually taking care of people's health and with being conscious about what we produce as well as what we consume. Yeah. And maybe one day in a perfect world, the, the, the designers and the celebrities and the brands who align with these fragrance companies actually also push for them to become safer and more natural as well. Because if people stop endorsing them, then they would go away. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Awesome. All right. Look, how do people find you online and connect with you? Uh, because I know that there'll be lots of people wanting to have a look at, at what you actually do. And I know you've got yeah. an online shop, etc. Yeah. So um, you can find us online at oneseedperfumes.com um, and you can purchase there, but there's also a really great journal um, with lots of articles. We have also links to the Unconscious podcast there so you can listen to our podcast episode and we have got about 50 stockists in Australia. So if you want to actually physically go somewhere and find the perfumes to try, you can look on our um, where to buy page um, and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram or at One Seed Perfume. Amazing. And your podcast is awesome too. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on it. <laughs> Especially that one guest. There's this one episode that was just <laughs> awesome. You. Love book, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Jules. Pleasure's mine. I hope you enjoyed listening to Straight Talking Natural Health. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, head over to my website at julesgalloway.com. There's a free quiz on there to see if you are at risk of burnout. I also have an amazing ebook called Heal Your Adrenals, which is a must for any woman with adrenal dysfunction, aka adrenal fatigue. When I'm not podcasting, I'm seeing clients all over the world via Zoom. I love working with fatigue, thyroid issues, autoimmunity, pyrrole disorder, mold illness and complex cases, to name just a few. So why not book in and let's work together? All of this and more is available right now over at julesgalloway.com. That's all from me for the time being. I look forward to diving in with you again in the next episode. Bye for now. After an extremely tough 2020 for many, it is so exciting to announce our first in real life event for 2021. Oh, MP, it's an understatement to say we miss connecting with our tribe, but it makes the 2021 wellness breakthrough all the more exciting. If you're ready to rebound or to make a comeback and even make 2021 your best year yet, you are warmly invited to join Brett, myself, and an intimate group of like minded souls at the wellness breakthrough from February 5 to 7. Imagine yourself tucked away in the serene Streslecki Ranges of Gippsland, Victoria. You don't have to cook, you don't have to clean or do anything domestic. We feed you, we accommodate you, we hold the space for you to create your own wellness breakthrough. Whether it's in your health, your relationships, work, life, wealth, spirit, any part of your life, you can expect major transformation at our most intimate event. We'd love for you to join us, but spaces are strictly limited to 20 attendees And as we record this, we have less than 10 spaces left. For more info, to watch the highlights of previous years and to join us from February 5 to 7 in 2021, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.